All right, Justin, sing me a song about a clown. Uh, what did uh remember Homie the Clown from In Living Color? What was his song? I don't remember his <laughs> you song. Remember that? But I remember did Homie he play clown? that. No, it wasn't that. There, remember he had like a little like at the end of the episode. Wouldn't he make the kids sing something, and it would be like, I, I, oh my god, I wish I remembered one. God, this would have been great for this part. But <laughs> I don't he would remember make the that. kids sing. And then he would go, and at the end he'd say something like "Cause why?" And then he and then he would hit one of them, and then they go, "Oh, cause homie don't play that." Remember that? Yes. He would do something like that. I don't remember his song though. All right. Well, instead of a song about clowns, do you know a song about like little brothers dying in rain gutters? <laughs> oh my. Uh, can't say that I do. If you did, it would be impressive because it's pretty specific. Hey, it was worth a shot. So let's go ahead and start the 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 episode then, since Justin disappointed us without having any clown songs. Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. If you could not tell by our clown-themed banter at the beginning of this episode, we will be talking about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with It Chapter 2. It is Justin, Heather, and I, Sterling, here to give you those aforementioned uh, topics. Oh, that didn't work. Just, we're here to do those things I said earlier. So we'll start it off with the person who I think was the most excited of all of us for this movie. Movie? Man, I cannot fucking speak to save my life tonight. Are you, are you drunk tonight? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just getting tongue-tied here. The most excited about this movie, Heather, what'd you like about it, chapter well you're definitely right i this has been the movie i've been looking forward to the most pretty much all year so you're correct on that um oh i feel like i have like a lot of things to say here um okay if i'm being honest my favorite thing about this film was uh it was seeing how well the adult versions of the characters lined up with the kid versions. I always like seeing how well things are casted in that way and in those types of situations. And I have to say, I was beyond impressed with uh, I was this movie. I was just very impressed with how, how well they did it. Literally, every actor was so great at being the older versions of themselves or the kids that were in it in the first movie. It's really... Um, I mean, it's it's hard to not think that they're all pretty much perfectly matched, but I have to give a major shout out to James Ransom. I think that's how you say it. Sterling, is that right? I think that's his last name. Yeah. The guy from The Wire. Yeah. Um, as the older Eddie, because he knocked it out of the park for me when it comes to just consistency with how well he played the character. Um which the the younger Eddie is um, Jack Dylan Grazer, who I also really was impressed with even in the first one. So I I mean I genuinely like I would believe that these two were the same person several years apart. It was so so well done, and I just feel like with that type of character too, it's more specific and a little bit probably more difficult to play than some of the other characters. So I was just very impressed. And he was truly just a standout performance for me. Um, and of course, without a doubt, you know, Bill Hader is 
he's like a freaking gem in this movie as the older Richie. It's um he's uh, he's also right up there as like one of my favorite characters, but um he's also just super believable and just completely blew me away with how incredible his performance was in this. Um I mean, I'm used to seeing Bill Hader as the funny guy just in funny roles and everything. He's hilarious. And I expected that part of it for sure. But his acting range is way more than I knew. And I'm just so happy he was able to sort of show that off um, in this movie. And it uh, he was just completely amazing. And I cannot stress that enough. And actually, after seeing him in this, <laughs> I actually started watching Barry on HBO, which he's the star of. And he did not disappoint in that in that either like um i mean i'm not finished with it but so far it's fantastic and just again seeing more of that range so yeah um i'm definitely now a major bill Hader fan so um and also it was well, i was talking about this movie after i saw it with someone and um i was talking about james mcavoy because i'm a huge james mcavoy fan and i think he was stellar in this like he is in pretty much everything he does but i think since these lesser known actors really kind of stepped up their game he didn't stand out as much as he typically does for me um and it's not to at all take away from how great he was as the older bill but um i mean he was fantastic as it but i just think that it speaks more to how much the rest of the cast stepped in stepped it up um, and just really did their characters justice. And uh, to that end, also, I really also can't say enough about how much I loved Stanley in this film, the young and old Stanley. But um, younger Stanley, he kind of upped his game in this one in his performance, too, because you see this very, like, I don't know, profound, loving side to him more than you just see the scared kid like you did in the first one. And obviously, you know, spoilers for anyone who doesn't know <laughs> older Stanley is not in the film very long because he ends up killing himself after he gets the phone call from Mike. But they really just, they made it a point to have him as an essential part of the story. And they really just honored him and his character. Um, and, you know, they just kind of showed him more as just, more than just the weak one. And I really appreciated that they did that. He was kind of like shown a little bit kind of as like the heart of the Losers Club in a way. Um, and Andy Bean as the older Stanley, he is um, like, he's just really, really good in this as well. He like pretty much, he's like an exact replica of the younger Stanley. He talked like him. He moved the way he moved. He was just so perfect in this role and acted his heart out in like the five minutes he was in it. <laughs> so I just absolutely loved it and definitely bummed out that he couldn't be in it longer. Um, so yeah, I'm just very impressed and excited by how well these performances were done. Cause that was the thing I was most looking forward to like seeing in this movie, honestly. And that's only, I mean, that's only a few of the performances. So, I mean, everyone did an amazing job, including Pennywise, even the super weird old lady that Bev visits. <laughs> she was like, um, I mean, you kind of see her in that trailer that they have of the movie, but I was also seeing this article about it, and apparently that lady did all of that herself. Like, that being frozen and not moving for that time that she did, like that scene that you see in it, she just kind of did that all herself. <laughs> she was just taking direction from um, Andy Muschini. I think that's how you say it. Muschetti? Um, anyways, yeah. So she was taking direction from him, and she just did all of that herself. And I'm like, that's really impressive, because she was super creepy. Um 
But anyways, uh, moving on from that point, I also really liked how well they balanced the different emotions they wanted you to feel. Of course, they had the creepy, uh, the, the creepy part down pretty well. The funny moments were funny. The sad ones were sad. They took you on a journey with your emotions on this. And I think it's hard to do that well in horror film. But this one definitely navigated that well. And I didn't see um, like I didn't see them really stay in any of those veins for for too long, which is also equally impressive with as long as this movie was, which I'm sure we will get into more on that in a bit. But even still with the runtime of this movie, I was captivated the whole time, honestly. Like I wanted to know what was going to happen in every scene. And I didn't really lose interest in the movie at any point. So um, I definitely think some parts lingered when they shouldn't have. But again, you know, we'll get more on that later. Um, and I really, I like that the really, they really kind of went for it with some of the things they showed or let happen. Um, and they didn't really shy away from it, like eating the little girl under the bleachers for Pennywise and (laughs) especially the little boy at the carnival that Bill was trying to save. They actually allowed him to be eaten and not saved, which I was personally a little shocked by because I really thought that they were going to end up having him be saved, but he wasn't. And they just kind of full on went for it with showing him die. (laughs) so props to them for not shying away from that um so it's you know i i know that basically it it didn't really have the cliche moment in that which i thought it would so that was kind of cool to see and also sticking with killing off a few of the major characters was also something that while i'm sad they died you know it's coming and they didn't try to change that ending so they stuck with a lot of the basics of the outcome from the from my understanding um i haven't actually read the book but I've heard a lot about it. Um, and it's also just a beautifully shot movie with some cool scenes and how they were done. Like the funhouse scene with all the mirrors and the scene with all the balloons floating by the river at the beginning when the two guys are attacked. Um, even the Chinese restaurant scene had some kind of intriguing parts to it, just to name a few different scenes, you know. But um, it just has a super eerie feel throughout the whole thing. And the tone is pretty consistent, which I like. Even when it shifts emotional tone... Um, the overall vibe stays the same. And I kind of feel like that can be really hard to do. But, um, oh, and one uh, one final thing I, I did want to say is I really enjoyed the cameo by Stephen King. I thought that was really cool because I don't really think I've seen him do that in many of the other movies that are based on his books. So I thought that was kind of cool that they did that. But, um, yeah, obviously, as you could tell, I had a lot of likes for this one. So, yeah. Justin, your turn. What'd you like about it? Chapter two. Okay. So, uh, definitely there is, um, a lot of things to like about this film. Um, and, and overall, I think I did walk away, uh, feeling more positive than negative about it. Um, I I definitely can mirror a little bit what Heather said about the acting performances. I really do think that that is the, the crux of this movie that, 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 um, definitely keeps uh this movie afloat even when i wasn't necessarily enjoying all of the story elements the acting that i got here was definitely top notch all of these um adult actors seemed like perfect counterparts to uh the the child actors that we saw in the first film so you definitely could see the 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 resemblance and the way that they acted the way that they reacted to each other the way that they played off of each other that chemistry was just spot on i mean there there were just so many scenes where um everything was perfect or like uh bill Hader or the richie character 
when he would come in with a joke or, you know, rag on somebody or make an insult and, uh, you know, do it at the perfect time. I mean, it was just like how young Richie would do it in the first one and how he would interact with everybody and stuff like that. So all of that stuff to me was spot on. And I too was impressed with how well they got the casting right for the adult versions of these children that we saw from the first movie. So I can definitely mirror that. Uh, Bill Hader and uh, James McAvoy uh, were definitely two standout actors in this. And I agree that McAvoy didn't stand out as much as he normally does, like in an, in an ensemble kind of movie like this uh but but he was still good here i thought that he was one of the better parts as far as acting is concerned but yeah bill Hader is definitely kind of the star the 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 rising or the star that i think came out that that i was the most impressed with i guess you could say i think that his story arc um the, the 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 comedic bits that he got to have that other characters didn't all of those different things kept the film entertaining um, through, through certain parts of the film and at, through certain parts of the movie when it needed that entertainment or when it needed kind of a break in the, 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 the spookiness or the, the dark tone of the film. He definitely provided that. And then I thought that his story arc was just kind of one of the more interesting ones when we're kind of, uh, when each of the characters is kind of on their own individual journey to kind of uh, g- gain their artifact in order to, as far as part of this uh, plot that they had to kind of deal with Pennywise and everything, I thought that he was just one of the more interesting characters. He just got, you know, I felt like he had some interesting scenes and he just, it just felt like he really just brought that character to life. So he definitely stood out as an actor. And I thought that Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, I mean, I still think that out of all of them, he was another standout part about it because um, we got a lot more Pennywise here. So uh, um, which um, I'll I'll have more to say about it in the negative section, but with what I got and with Skarsgård's acting, I thought that he really brought it here for the Pennywise character. He was creepy um in his scenes where he got to talk just like in the other ones his mannerisms the way he, um his laugh and just how spooky he sounds and just how unsettling <laughs> he could be uh just with his acting and and some of the most enjoyable parts of the movie to me were just when he got to talk to one of the other actors or when he was trying to coax a kid into coming into the shadows or coming closer so he could eat them or when he's talking to someone and he's just salivating just thinking about um, eating them. So I think that, again, he really showed up here and just had a very uh, great performance. And then as far as the plot and everything, I, I, I do like some of the messages that this film had, because I do think that there really is this kind of message in there about kind of running from your problems or running from trauma or running from things that happen to you and kind of having to come to grips with those things and face those things and how sometimes and i think that even uh towards the end of the movie the, the there was a line that i really appreciated where 
they were trying to figure out how they could get to Pennywise. And then one of the characters said, well, there's more than one way to make something feel small. And it was kind of this scene where they were kind of berating Pennywise and telling him, you're just a clown. You're, you're nothing. You know, you're, you're not what you think you are. And sort of this kind of almost like talking shit to him or belittling him. And I really think that there was a double meaning there about how sometimes we have problems and we make them like as big as the world. But when we really look at those things and really simplify them, they're small things compared to us. They're small compared to what you can do. They're small compared to your resolve to overcome them. So I think that there was something to be said about that. There was something to be said about kind of facing your problems and changing your perspective of how you see things. And when you change the perspective, something that you viewed as a big problem it can actually be a small problem, depending on your approach, depending on your perspective. So I think there was something to be said about that. Um, and, and I think that th that message did shine through in this. Uh, also, I do feel that like Heather said, it was beautifully shot. There were a lot of just great scenes. And one thing that I can say about this film, as far as the shots were, this film had some wonderfully thought out transitions. Like that's something that we don't talk about a lot uh, with movies is, is just transitions. Like how how does it how does it go from one scene to the next and what what does it do what kind of style does it have and things like that and, and we talked about it sometimes but i think that this movie as far as just visually and as far as how it did tr handle transitions this is one of the best ones i, I really think one of the best movies when it comes to that i mean if you were an aspiring director or something and you wanted to a lesson on how to transition from scene to scene. I would recommend you watch this and just watch the transitions. There was a great one where it, we start with two characters um, down below and then it pans up and all of a sudden you're, it's almost like you're underneath a table and one of the characters, Stanley was putting together a puzzle. And so when the camera scrolls up, you're underneath the the your your perspective is underneath the table and he's putting together these puzzle pieces but like the but, but the camera was like the puzzle and so you could kind of see him putting the pieces together and as it pans up now we're in the room and he's putting pieces together i really thought that was a neat visual and then there was another one where like um we're seeing the older adult version and i forget what character it was i want to say maybe it was mcavoy but they were doing a transition from um the older characters to the younger versions of them and i want to say yeah i i think it was mcavoy's character bill but what we're seeing is an older um but we're watching an older bill and he's looking at, um, I want to say through a window or maybe at his reflection. And it does this fading effect. And all of a sudden we're, and, and you see like the, uh, older Bill's eyes as they're fading, younger Bill's eyes kind of come into view and he's blinking. And so like the eyes matched up perfectly. And then all of a sudden 
we see young Bill and he's doing something or saying something. There were so many neat, neat, neat transitions like that, that it stood out to me. Like it was one of the things I said to my friend, I was like, man, that was a really cool transition or, oh, that was cool how suddenly we were, you, you know, something would happen, but then boom, and then we would be back in time and be with that same character, but younger or something like that. And they always just happened in these interesting ways. So it never just did the same thing with its flashbacks or its flash forwards. It always did something interesting. So that was one thing consistent with the film that I really just appreciated, just those thoughtful transitions that it had. Uh, other than that, um, I think that that would wrap it up for my likes. But yeah, definitely uh, a visually impressive film and great acting performances throughout. Real quick, I actually I want to say that it actually was Eddie that you're talking about. Oh. Like he's looking at a mirror, I think. And then because I just remember they have those like real bushy eyebrows, both of them. <laughs> and oh, they like yeah. matched up perfectly. I think it was Eddie, but I totally okay, know the scene bad. you're talking about. Because yes. I thought the same thing. I was like, that was awesome how they did that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of neat ones just like that. But yeah, that was definitely one, though. That scene with 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 that character. Yeah, that was definitely one where I was like, man, that was just so neat how they did that transition. And there was a lot of that. So this director, uh, he definitely has a skill, I think. When it comes to that, uh, Andy Muschietti, I hope I'm saying that right. Muschietti, uh, I think. Muschietti. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, uh, definitely he's got a talent for that. So I think he should tackle more projects that have to do with more visual effects and different things like that, because I think he has an eye for that sort of thing. Well, 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 man, I'm just going to end up mirroring, mirror, mirroring. I really can't fucking talk tonight. Dear God, mirroring a lot of the stuff you guys said, um, especially when it comes to uh, Bill Hader and uh, James Ransone. To me, they were above and beyond the best things in this movie. I don't think anybody came close to the, the, the performances that those guys brought. I mean, you guys can say what y'all's thoughts on James McAvoy or anything like that. I, he was good. It's just, he was outshined. I thought left and right, um, him and Jessica Chastain. I really, I really felt like everybody else in the cast kind of shined a little brighter than McAvoy and Chastain. And, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not saying that McAvoy or Chastain like turned in bad performances. I just, I think everybody else just kind of brought it a little harder than, yeah. uh, than, you know, than their characters, uh, allowed them to be. Um, I, I, I liked a lot of the, I liked a lot of the Pennywise moments when you did get to see him. I thought that, uh, what's, is it Bill? Uh, which one of the Skarsgård brothers it is? Bill, right? Yeah. Okay. There's like 27 of them and their dad. So it gets confusing. Um, I thought he did a good job of, of maximizing the moments he did get. Um, interesting little tidbit about him. You know, those scenes like where like Pennywise's eyes kind of start looking in opposite directions. Yeah. Well, actually that's something he can do. That's not special effects. Wow. That's actually him doing it with his eyes. Um, there's some pictures I saw online and it's uh, him and Bill Hader like talking behind the scenes and all this other stuff. And Bill Hader was asking him like, Hey, like how'd they do that effect? And Bill Skarsgård just did it. And like Bill Hader freaks out a little bit because he just was not expecting that to actually happen at the time. Um, 
Another interesting fact uh, that kind of ties into what you guys were saying about the adult actors being a very good uh, version of the younger selves is the kids actually did get input as to who they wanted to play their adult selves. Um, I know... Uh, I actually heard an interview today with uh, Bill Hader and he was asked if he had to read for it. And he's like, no, not really. And apparently the story goes is they were asking the kids who they wanted to play their adult versions. And Finn Wolfhard said Bill Hader. And that more or less meant they went after Bill Hader. So just little interesting things with some of that stuff that apparently Finn Wolfhard has a lot of pull in Hollywood already. And he gets Bill Hader cast in movies. But I mean, good choice. So smart kid. <laughs> I just don't feel like the guy that played Eddie actually had James Ransone, though. I don't feel like the little kid who played Eddie watched enough Wire to know Zig. All right. Um, but hey, he did. He did fantastic. I haven't really seen him in anything else. I know he's done some shit and he's been in some shit that's like, I don't know, I guess popular, more popular with the kids and all this other stuff. But man, watching my boy Ziggs from season two of The Wire, <laughs> like all grown up now. It was a beautiful moment because he was fantastic. Um, oh, and I feel bad that I don't know his name, but uh, Old Spice Guy. I thought Old Spice Guy was great. Um, Isaiah something. Isaiah Mustafa. Mustafa, I think. Yeah. Yes, him. I thought he was great. Um, I think they did a good job of of dressing him up to where they disguised his abs. <laughs> yeah, I actually forgot that was him. You know, he actually looked like a librarian. But you know, that guy's got like washboard, like 27 pecs or not 27 pecs, like 27 abs under that shirt. <laughs> but they did a good job of making him look like a librarian. Um, then uh, Australian guy that played the former fat kid. I thought he did a good job too. Yeah. And if you don't know, that guy is Australian. Um, even the guy that played the bully. Oh, that dude was great. Uh, looked like an older version of an older version of that little fuckface bully from the first one. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they did just really fantastic jobs with a lot of that stuff. Uh, I will say this. One of the things, oh, one of the things I liked is I liked how they really kind of poked fun at Stephen King a lot throughout the movie. Um, because th the Bill character is a, uh, like literary avatar for Stephen King in the book. He's a writer, all this other stuff. But I liked how they poked fun at his endings because one big criticism of Stephen King is the fact that his books kind of fall apart sometimes at the ends. And so I liked that they poked fun at him a lot for, you know, just with the whole, uh, oh, I loved your book, except the ending sucked. Um, right. I thought that was also kind of a twist to kind of allude to the fact that they were going to change uh, the ritual of Chud, um, which they did do. And they did it in a couple of ways. The ritual of Chud was originally done by the kids in the book, but they moved it to the adults because the ritual of Chud is an utterly ridiculous thing. Like long story short, like the kids have to like stand there and chant while somebody bites down on the tongue of Pennywise. So they travel to the astral plane to battle there, which would also have the, uh, I don't remember his name, but the cosmic turtle who is the ultimate enemy of Pennywise would be there to help and all this other shit. And if you can't tell by what I just said, like, thank God they left it out of this movie. Wow. Like, fuck. What? <laughs> Yes, that's the ritual. That's the actual ritual of Chud that they reference in the the movie. Wow, um, Maturin. Sorry, I think Maturin. I think is the name of the turtle. Oh, I don't know. Fuckface space turtle works just as well, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's it's just utterly ridiculous, and so. Yeah, it makes complete sense why they left it out. It makes complete sense that they just kind of played around with it 
and had it be this thing that failed because it is utterly ridiculous. And I will say this, like my favorite scene in this movie was when when Eddie gets stabbed in the cheek by the bully and then just kind of like closes the shower curtain and then like pulls the knife out of his cheek, stabs the bully in the chest with it, and then says, it's been 30 years, cut your fucking hair. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was like, this dude just got stabbed in the cheek, stayed calm, cool, and collected, pulled it out, stabbed the guy, and then made a witty quip. I was like, damn. Like, that's <laughs> how you knew in the end that Eddie would step up. True. If he could if, if he could go through that moment and stay calm, cool, and collected like he did, you know he was going to make it. Like, you knew, well, not yeah. make it, uh, but you knew he was like, you know not going to be the scaredy cat the whole time. Um, and I mean, I guess the final thing I really did enjoy in this is I liked how they kept that weird practically done effect uh, when it comes to the way uh, Pennywise would scare people. Just how everything looked kind of slightly cartoony. You know, like with the old woman when she turned into the weird uh, long-legged floppity woman. Oh, yeah. Um, it had that slight cartoony aspect to it. And it's the same way the leper looked when the leper attacked Eddie. Mm -hmm. um, it also reminded me of, you know, when that painting comes to life in the first one. Yeah. It's that same type of style with that. Yeah, that is cool. And I liked that. It's a good, nice little good touch to just give it a, a, a different feel, like a, you know, a different style that really just kind of makes the scares a little bit more unique to this movie versus just kind of some, seeing some of the shit you always see. Oh, and I guess one final thing. I promise this is it. One thing I really liked that they did in this that's drastically better than that shitty 1990s telemovie was the fact that Pennywise didn't become a faceless spider at the end. I really liked the fact that he still became a spider, but they kept him Pennywise when they did so. Mm -hmm. So you still had the battle with the spider, but it wasn't faceless. It wasn't just... Pennywise then disappearing and they're fighting a spider. You still got some more Pennywise out of it. And yeah, and you extended that feeling and, and, and that character. I, and I thought that was just a really good way of handling it. Just so that character doesn't just disappear essentially for the entire third act. Yeah. Any other thoughts you guys before we move on to dislikes? Nope. nope. I'm good. This movie's fucking long. <laughs> Stupid long. Yeah. It did not in any way, shape or form ever need to be that long it's thankfully not as horrendously paced as midsummer but i felt like there were too many times this movie wanted you to check the fuck out because it got a lot i almost said a little plotting no it got a lot plotting in the middle of that movie it was just like walking through a thick ass swamp like just running in mud up to your knees and it's it's a nice little nod to the books because Stephen King horror books often do have an element of fan fantasy to them so it's a nice little thing when everybody goes on their hero quests all to retrieve their token you know all to you know get an item and to all this other stuff but where this movie really did a disservice to itself and to the audience is the fact that every single one of those quests had the exact same pacing exact same beats to them the scares were done the same way just everything was just the same formula for every single one of those quests and they did not even try to remotely change it up at all and in doing so really made the scares and pennywise to a degree a uh, very ineffective for the entire middle section of the movie because every character 
like goes to the site, whatever site they're at, they go to the site, they have a memory, they do some shit at the site, have more of the same memory, have a memory of Pennywise fucking with them, go to them as an adult, Pennywise is fucking with them, back to the the child memory, some bad shit happened, back to them as an adult, Pennywise shit's still happening, end scene. And they did that like seven times, I guess it's only six times, but they still, they did it so many fucking times, and it doesn't really differentiate, it doesn't deviate from that same formula the entire time. You know, the only instances of change you have is the technically the actors are different and technically you know the the setting is different and technically what scares them is different but dear fucking god they were the same fucking thing they literally filmed the same scene six times and just like mad libbed what character they were going to insert at that time and it really drags this movie down fast like i feel like so much of this movie And so much of what made the first movie so good is the ensemble aspect of it all. Those scenes, when everybody's together, are all like rock star, top-notch, just best-you-can-get type scenes. And it feels like they spent so much time in this movie figuring out a way to force their characters apart so that, you know, they could just do a bunch of bullshit by themselves. And it just never works as well as anything else. They needed to cut 45 minutes of bullshit out of this movie. And I feel like it's there. I feel like if they just trimmed the fucking fat, because I feel like they were trying to adhere so much to the Stephen King book. But that book is fucking what, 1,138 pages, I'm thinking? I know it's 1,100 and some change. So, yeah, trim the fucking fat. You don't need every aspect of these fucking books. You already did it with some of this other bullshit. You already cut out a cosmic turtle, which, thank God, you cut out the kid orgy fuckfest in the sewers after the first time they beat Bennywise. And thank God for that, too. So just don't adhere to all the cluttery fucking fatty garbage that's also all over this. I know, Heather, that you loved that Stephen King was in this, but that scene was unnecessary. Having that whole shit with the bike ultimately was unnecessary because that wasn't his artifact. His artifact was the paper boat of Georgie's, which I don't know, I guess somehow was still in the sewer (laughs) magically. I don't fucking know how that works, but that was there. Yeah, how would he have kept that? (laughs) That's true. And the entire scene with Ben when he goes to get his token, which was the yearbook page that Beverly signed that he had in his wallet means that entire scene of him going to the school and getting scared by Pennywise and being shoved in a locker and all that other bullshit was 100% unnecessary. Just 100%. They just wanted to have a scene where this little boy was getting scared by Pennywise and that's it. But it actually served no purpose in the story because he already had the yearbook page in his wallet. He already had the token. So what was the point of that scene? And also, I know technically what this movie takes place in uh, 2016, 2017. Technically, when this scene or when this movie takes place, um, some of the aspects of it still felt a little dated. Like, I don't feel like necessarily in, in 20 now, let's just 20 whatever now, that the character Richie would have a problem coming out to his friends, especially... You know, maybe if he's afraid for his career or whatever, this, that, whatever, that's fine. I 100% understand that. But when an evil demon clown is essentially using that as blackmail. Right. Because he's going to tell your friends. Wouldn't it just be kind of a little easier and kind of get rid of this, like I said, weird blackmail this clown has if he just goes, hey guys, you know, by the way, I'm gay. (laughs) Right. Bam. Less ammo for the clown. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. 
Like, especially because that's not in the book. That's not in the book. That's something new that they added to this, which is fine. I'm 100% okay with that. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. If they kind of kept it closer to the original where the old part was taking place in the 60s and then the adult part was taking place in the 80s and they added it to that, I'd 100% understand it. Because especially then, even coming out to just your friends in the 80s would be hard to do. You know, that could really go a lot of bad ways for you. But like when you're setting this in 2017, you know, you got Bill who's a big fancy Hollywood writer now, you know. It just everyone there seemed cool. It seems like none of them had any would have any problems with, you know, a non-heterosexual orientation. I feel like at least one or two of those people watched Ru- watches RuPaul's Drag Race on the reg. <laughs> I just don't feel like the characters would have had a problem with it, with how they set them up, you know? And so I just, I, I felt like that was a little weird just of how they handled that aspect of it. Um, especially when Bill Hader did such a good job of portraying the heartbreak because, you know, you come to find out that his character was in love with Eddie and that's why he was making fun of him so much and picking on him. It's because he, he didn't know how to externalize his feelings properly and all this other stuff. And it really showed with how he was dealing with the heartbreak of Eddie, di- of Eddie dying Yeah, in that scene. And it made it so yeah. That scene and so that scene was amazing. Yeah, it was it was so good. And you know, and especially with how all those characters they're all like in that lake and they all kind of like hug up on him. I'm like, come on, tell them then. Then like like why are we still hiding it now? You you guys just saved the universe essentially, or at least the town. Like, come on, let's be real. You know, it's just all those moments felt a little fake. And I'm not and. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Heather might like not like what I'm about to say, but holy fuck, they put way too much emphasis on dead adult Stanley. Like, fuck. That was annoying. <laughs> oh, no. This little fucking, this is not a suicide note. This is a, I'm going to unite you guys. What the fuck was that garbage? Okay, well, that's separate than the rest of the tone, but I get what you're saying. Nah, just fuck all that. Fuck all that. He should have died at the beginning. And I do like the fact that they used little kid uh, Stanley's head when he became the spider. Yeah. Because that makes sense. In the telemovie, they used the adult Stanley. And that makes no sense because none of the adults had ever met him. Right. So they wouldn't know what adult Stanley looked like. So I like that they used kid Stanley in that. But just in general, everything they did with adult Stanley, other than him putting a puzzle together and then killing himself, was all bullshit. This movie <laughs> oh, tried to no. do a weird, stupid Lord of the Rings imitation, and it ended like 97 times. Oh my God, it did. It did. And none of them mattered. I did not care about any of those endings. Essentially, after they all kind of swam in the lake, it kind of should have just ended. I didn't need a damn thing after that. Just nothing. But then it goes on this, Bill's writing a book, which... The book Bill's writing is actually it. The little section of the, he's got up on his computer that he quote unquote just wrote. That's a paragraph from it. Um, And you know, and adult Old Spice guy, I guess it's not adult Old Spice guy. He is Old Spice guy, but adult kid Old Spice guy. Yeah, I like that. Adult kid Old Spice guy. When he was like more or less talking about how he's going to go to Florida, which like no shit, they made a very weird big deal about him you know, when they were earlier talking about what they all wanted to do and all this other stuff, they made a weird deal that he was always talking about wanting to go to Florida because yay, Florida, I guess. I mean, it was the eighties. It's a weird time. I guess they liked Florida then, but, oh, and so like that, I guess if they wanted to end on that, I guess that would be fine. But then no, they had to have this weird 
like Shakespearean soliloquy from an actor that's barely in this fucking movie <laughs> reading a fucking letter that makes no goddamn sense that does not fucking matter. It's weirdly inspirational at the wrong time of the movie. Like these characters don't need to pick me up at this time. <laughs> you know, maybe if they were feeling down on their luck and were afraid they couldn't beat Benny Wise earlier in the movie. And then all of a sudden he gets, they get a letter and they go, oh man, Stanley wrote us a letter and they read it and then they're inspired to go beat him. That would make sense. <laughs> but right. like, it's weird to have the message of you guys just need to stand together after they already stood together. Yeah. It was just like a little too, like, I get that. I was totally going to say that. Yeah. Uh, you, you took mine. Cause I was totally going to say that that should have been at a point where they were at their lowest and thinking about giving up. Maybe if they, if they would have caught Mike early, like that, cause they caught that the whole ritual or whatever was BS during the fight. So it was like this conversation was happening while trying to fight Pennywise and there was just too much going on. But like you said, like, and I was thinking the same thing, they, they, somebody needed to have figured out, figured out beforehand that the ritual was BS and they could have confronted Mike about it. Maybe it made everybody upset yeah. and everybody's down or whatever. And then somebody gets their letter. Or they all, or they get the letter. Then, of course, somebody says, "Hey, did you get um, did you get his letter?" And then maybe the letter then inspires them to 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 go do this thing. Well, ritual or no ritual, let's go, man. We gotta stand together. We gotta do this, man. Let's let's not let his death be in vain. Yeah, you're right. It needed yeah. to be somewhere else. It was totally in the wrong place. Well, like, how much better would it have been if the, if the letter came to just the Losers Club in Derry? Like, it was sent to Mike's address. And so, like, right after they get all their tokens and all this other stuff, and they're really all mentally fucked up, all of a sudden they get a letter addressed to the Losers Club because Stanley knew that yeah. everyone else would have gone there except him. Yep. So he sent the letter to Mike, knowing everyone else would be there. Yeah, that yeah. would have been better. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And then it should have been little kid Stanley reading it. It I shouldn't have agree. been adult Stanley. Yeah. Because Mike was the only person that ever heard adult Stanley's voice. No one else did. But just on top of that, adult Stanley is a very slow fucking reader. Dear God. They drew <laughs> oh that my. scene out too fucking long. But also since he wrote it as an adult, maybe that's why they did that, you know? Yeah, but it would have made sense if the kids were hearing it in their, or the people sure. were hearing it in their head. Yeah. From Kid Stanley. And I guess that's my point. Yeah. And I mean, and I, I get, you know, your your issues with all of the stuff with Stanley. But I think from what I'm what I'm seeing with it is like I I think just because as a character in general, I feel like I do relate to Stanley more because <laughs> I'm like that kid that's not going to go and do the dangerous thing ever. And you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I get him. <laughs> but also just the fact that instead of playing on the fact that he was the weak one, which they did make a point of in this movie is, oh, he was the weak one, you know, and, and Pennywise knew that they, instead of focusing on, he was the weak one, they, they kind of decided to play it up. They played up his, um, his stronger traits, which was the, the encouragement and the whole, like, I want our group together and I want us all to be friends forever. And, like just he played they they played up that side of Stanley more in this to show that like yeah he might have been the weak one but this is why he was so important to the losers club still so i kind of i think that's why i liked his character and i liked what they did with him in this movie 
because I like that they switched up instead of just being like, well, it was weak Stanley. They they played up the the good aspects of his character and why he was a, an important part of the Losers Club, even though he was the weak one. So I think that's why I liked what they did with it. I mean, I get that. But like the whole point in the character of the books was the fact that he was so weak. And even 27 years later, just the thought of doing it again. And that's, I think, what was supposed to like kind of portray even more so how menacing Pennywise was, is that even though they beat Pennywise as kids, 27 years later, he's an adult. And the idea of going up against Pennywise again was just too much now is that, and he's like is, fuck that noise. is that how it was in the books because i feel like it would have been actually yes. okay because i feel like it would have been actually a, a little bit more of a sticking point if it was like pennywise suddenly came to him as adult stanley and was like you're the weak one and then that's what set him over the edge to kill himself i think that would have been more of a creepy factor into you know him doing it so suddenly and out of nowhere after 27 years you know what i mean but yeah i just wasn't sure if that was part of the book or not but pennywise can't go outside of dairy oh yeah that's true yeah never mind but it's just one of those things it was it's just the idea of going against pennywise again is just so foreboding and so terrifying that he would just rather die than even go back to town just to even risk running across pennywise again so like, and that's what, you know, really portrayed how terrifying Pennywise is. Yeah. And it really kind of ruins it when he's like, I killed myself to bring you guys closer together. Because what? <laughs> they never even mention that. They never even mention anything about how, like, you know, how Stanley's death brings them closer together. None of that. Yeah. It never is a factor in this movie, except for when they find out about it. And it's was, you know, Beverly's vision. And then... The 27 hour long fucking one man Broadway show at the end when he's reading it. <laughs> it just it drove me nuts. I think I'm done. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I didn't even mean to go as long as I already have. <laughs> so let's just hope I'm done for the love of God and move on to Justin. What did you not like about this? Movie? Well, I mean, you, you, you pretty much said it all. I mean, for a lot of those things, I definitely agree with. But just to try to say some different things, but yeah, I'm I'm totally in agreement. Um, the film is just too long. It, it really is. I mean, there was a point where I'm not even gonna lie, and I think that this is the only time I did this in a movie <laughs> all year so far. But there was a moment in time where I checked my watch, and I was like, "Man, we still got an hour left." <laughs> Like I, I, I re- that happened. Like, like really, like there were a lot of just plotting scenes that just were kind of draining. And then you know, and then the but the acting was was good enough, and I was interested enough to where I stuck with the movie, and and I and I got to the end of it. But yeah, man, there were some parts where it, it the movie does just drag. And there are parts where you're just kind of scratching your head going, why did this make it into the final cut? Uh, and, and I think that because there were so many scenes, the story to me kind of gets a little confusing. Or I feel like there were some plot holes or some things that just weren't as developed as well. And because of having all of these things you couldn't explain things as well as you wanted to and i think that one thing is that was definitely lost in this is that you know 27 years is a long time and you got these children who are now adults and 
I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm not the same person <laughs> that I was 20, you know, 20 something years ago. And most people change within that time. And I think that one of the weaknesses of the film is that we we started by showing some of these um, ca these characters in their adult life, like 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 McAvoy's character. You know, we saw that he is this, um, you know, he's this writer for films and everything. And then we saw that Bill Hader is this comedian now and, and we got to see some of the, what they were doing as adults. But I don't think that you really got to understand how they had changed as people or what kind of made them different. I do think that the film, because for the sake of having to go back and forth in the narrative from kids to adults and kids to adults and wanting to keep their characters so consistent, I do think there was some realism lost because we didn't also get to see how the characters had changed. They had to be so consistent with their with their child counterparts that there wasn't enough changes when they were adults for me to make it believable. Or at least the narrative didn't get a chance to develop that because we have to quickly show everybody as adults, okay, this is kind of what they're doing. Now we got to get everybody to bury so that we can start this plot with Pennywise. So I do think then maybe there was something lost there. So sometimes when these adults are kind of making decisions and doing things that would kind of seem like what the child version of them would do, it just kind of didn't, just like the whole thing that Sterling talked about with him not being able to kind of tell, tell them uh, that Richie being able to tell them that he was a homosexual. Well, this is something that seems like an adult at this time would easily be able to do. But because he had to be similar to his child counterpart, uh, we're afraid to express those feelings kind of like a child. But adult, I just think that it would, like you said, it would just be something he should be able to tell them, or it would just be something that adults you would think would react differently to that. But so I do think that there are some things like that in the narrative that are kind of that kind of hurt the believability of what the adults were doing or certain decisions that they were making. Or like uh, the Ben character, being able to tell your childhood crush, hey, I had a crush on you back then. You know, I, I was feeling you back then. You know, it was me that wrote that letter. It didn't seem like something that you would hold from someone 27 years later. You, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I had a childhood crush that I had, uh, um, like we had hooked back up just through social media and stuff like that. And I told her, you know, man, I was, you know, I was feeling you back then. And we got a laugh out of it. And that was kind of it, you know, but, and I get that there were still feelings there and things like that. But I, but all of that kind of felt way over dramatic for like a childhood crush. I didn't believe, you know, that that would, uh, would that have stuck with him for 27? I mean, would that have, I don't know. I just, that that just to me was a little hard to believe that he couldn't have just shared that with her 27 years later. So there are just things like that that just kind of bothered me about the narrative. But other than that, man, just, uh, I, I feel like also with Pennywise, although I love Scar Skarsgård's performance in this, and although 
for, for the most part, Pennywise was consistently creepy. I do think because of that, that, that plotting middle that we had with all the different character journeys and stuff like that, I think there was too much of him. So it took away from kind of that mystique and that mysteriousness that he sort of had in the first one. In the first one, I just felt like he was way scarier because, again, I'm going to say this phrase that I said kind of in the Child's Play film, less is more. I think that Pennywise character was scarier in the first movie because simply because you saw less of him. He always seemed like this lingering thing that could come at any moment and you just didn't know when he was going to show up or when you saw him, he was always kind of hidden in the shadows or he would suddenly appear or then he kind of go back. You know, I felt like he was way more mysterious in the first and part one of this. But in this part, he just seemed like he was in it way too often. And sometimes in daylight or jumping around in a vision and balloons everywhere and stuff. And sometimes those some of those scenes were effectively creepy like they needed to be. But I do think that he had to be in it so often. And in a lot of those scenes, he was scaring somebody, but they would still get the artifact or he would be running after somebody, but that person would get away or he would be doing something and the person would, you know, the adult would see him or whatever or yell at him or something. And then the scene would end. So it made him feel ineffective because not only was he in it often, but he often wasn't winning those scenes or he was scaring, but nothing was really happening to inhibit our characters from those separate journeys. So I do think the, 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 the frequent scenes that him being more frequent in this film, I did think hurt like the intimidation factor and, 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 and the scare factor of him i do think that he was hurt by that just being in the film so much uh and, and then just kind of what sterling was saying the last thing i'll say is just yeah man it felt like that it, that movie could have ended four or five different times i thought it was over when they washed off in the water i thought that was it and the movie kept going then i thought it was over when we did the the cool little uh flashback when they were all kids kind of looking in the uh window of the place welcome to barry and then you saw all, they were all looking in that window as adults and then suddenly we were all kids and they were all and there was this nice like picturesque shot of them in the reflection and they yeah. were all kids and i thought that, that know, should have been I the thought that was a nice scene that was pretty beautiful shot i thought it could have ended there but it kept going some more and then like you said just the suicide note stuff and the reveal of that that was kind of it that was in the wrong place i think that could have been something like like we were saying that should have motivated them in the darkest hour but instead Putting it on at the end, yeah, it did feel cheap and it didn't make, it did kind of feel like it made the, the Stanley, it didn't feel like it redeemed that character enough because that was just uh, in the wrong place. But yeah, and, and like I said, and all of that just added to what was a two hour, what, a 40 minutes runtime. So this film is almost three hours and you just can't really justify that length. And especially when you think about the, the, the narrative holistically, what exactly happened? 
So they met up with each other, right? And so like Pennywise comes back. Um, one of our characters that still lives in Barry makes the calls to everybody and says, hey, Pennywise is back. So now they're back. They find out about this ritual. They each have to gather an artifact and then they have to fight Pennywise. Like even when I just say that, <laughs> out loud that doesn't feel like a plot that needs to be three hours long but somehow we got there and I do think that's what Sterling said is right I do and and I have and I'm not a reader of the books I haven't read uh the book but I could tell that it seemed like they were trying to get all these scenes in and there needed to be somebody to go look this isn't really necessary or do we really need this or can we have the effectiveness of this without this scene necessarily in it or are we paying too much homage to the book and not just trying to tell the most cohesive narrative we can and I do think it hurts it because when the film is jumping back and forth between old and young and okay, now we're here and now we're back when they were kids and now we're back when they were, I felt like this narrative could be really confusing for the average moviegoer just trying to keep it all together. So I do feel that there were some narrative issues uh, with it that stood out. Uh, and overall, those would be the things that, that were just the glaring weaknesses for me uh, about the film. To to kind of comment on what you just said, Justin, though, too. Like, I think that's what was so jarring to me is when the entire group comes together and they're doing that scene at the Chinese food restaurant. Like, the way everyone was playing off each other was so fantastic. And then it's the, like they went, all right, now you're not all going to be together in the same scene for the next hour and 45 <laughs> minutes until the last part and go. I was just like, oh, wow. Like, that's what made the first movie so like special and so good was the dynamic yeah. of the group. And it, it just felt like they took every chance they could to just not have a group dynamic in this movie and which just rang false to me because i that's the, the whole point of them is that individually they all were kind of losers but when they were the losers club together they belonged they were special there was they were more than just these little weird kids and that that message and that that magic was just completely lost for so much of this movie yeah hmm. yeah and the thing is, is that, and even if you say that, well, would they, we couldn't have them all together because they, they're adults or they're different people or they change. So that's why we didn't have them together as much or because the plot or and a lot of it seemed like just for the sake of plot. But even if you're going to have them not be together, then I need to care about this adult as much as I cared about the child counterpart, but because we didn't really get to develop these adults. I mean, we saw glimpses, we saw a little bit of their lives as adults, but we didn't really get that development. So there was nothing interesting about them being apart. The, you, you were just waiting on them to be together because then everybody could play off each other and seemed infinitely more interesting. And that's what we remember. Like you said, that's what we remember. We loved about the first one. But if you're not going to do that here, then when I'm watching Bill Hader or when I'm watching Richie by himself, I need to be able to care about who this adult is now if he's going to be by himself and not be playing off of everybody else. And I think that's kind of where the film yeah. 
like it didn't lose me every time it wasn't like it was bad or anything like terrible or anything but i do think it struggled with that for those reasons whenever they were apart from each other exactly heather what did you not like about this movie so my first question i don't know if any of you guys wondered about this too but like does anybody else wonder why mike has all their numbers to call them when they haven't talked in like 27 years i thought that was kind of weird dope no you were you were 100 correct <laughs> i was on like that. how do you know their number yeah how did he get any yeah. of their numbers well just like how did stanley get any of their addresses right that's so true because it's not like they were friends still so it was like definitely inconsistent in that way and and he died like two yeah. hours after hearing from <laughs> one of them right i mean that is some expert level facebook stalking right. if within two hours he can get all their addresses individually write letters and then die especially when he was like mike who like he, he didn't even have an inkling of who that might be <laughs> so yeah it was just that was interesting to me but um i mean yeah three for three on the whole length of the movie thing it was definitely a super long movie and yeah i was I was intrigued and interested the whole time, but I still was like, man, I just wish that <laughs> we could condense this just a little bit, you know? Um, but it, yeah, it just could have either altogether, you could have cut some of it out or just made, just made some of the scenes that they did do shorter. And I think that that would have been fine too. Um, and also another one, like, I mean, the pacing of it. Yeah, I think you guys are kind of right. The pacing wasn't great. Like it's, it's overly long, but they do linger in parts when they don't need that. And they would just plow through parts that could have maybe expounded a little bit more of the story. Like um, kind of Jason, a little bit like what you were saying too, like showing for, for an example, like showing Bev in her abusive relationship that she's in. It was like a three minute scene that showed how bad it was and how bad her life was now and what she's doing with her life now, but they never really referenced it again. And I feel like that's just a big part yeah. of her story, you know, because like she had that as um, as a father figure, she had the same type of thing where it was an abusive thing. And then now that's carried over into her adult life. So I would have liked to seen that explored a little bit more and not just with her, but I think that they kind of did that with all of the Losers Club members where it's very short scenes of their current life, but they spend a lot of time on the part when they're all split off and they have these flashbacks. And um, I think that they do the balance of flashbacks to present day well, but in general, just kind of those those scenes when they're, they are split off doing their own thing it's and they're taunted by Pennywise and all of that. It's just a little too all over the place with how they pace the movie. Um, and I do another thing too, it's, it's kind of along the lines of, um, what you guys were saying about the thing with Richie, how, you know, he had a hard time, um, telling his friends that he was gay. Like, I just, I feel like in general, the rules were like, it was weird to me how the rules were different for the different characters. Um, like another example, like when, when they're all facing Pennywise down at the well or whatever that place is at the end. And Pennywise says something in front of everyone about how Mike lied and basically called Mike out for not being honest with them. Yet with Richie, he didn't really do that unless Richie was by himself. You know, like it was just this huge unspoken thing in the film that Richie's hiding the fact that he's gay. It's never really necessarily flat out said, but it's very heavily implied and all of that. Um, 
And then, you know, when Pennywise, he goes around taunting him and like Sterling was saying, it's like, that's the blackmail that he has over him. <laughs> He'll say things like, you know, do you, do you want people to know your dirty secret? Just things that had like, I, I don't know. He had no problem calling Mike out in front of the whole group at the end there. So I guess it just felt like it was weird how the rules were different for what Pennywise did with certain characters and how it changed just because it's not like he's going to play favorites or anything, you know? So I just thought that was kind of weird with how it's like he played by different rules with each character for some reason. Um, and I, I don't know. I just thought the whole thing about Richie was interesting just because like, it seemed like, I don't know, like it, it just felt like that, like sort of like what Sterling was saying about how, why would that be something he would like not want to admit in this day and age sort of, you know, but I think it's also like um, the the fact that there were zero indicators in the first film, that that was something that he was dealing with or hiding or anything like that. And the fact that he was apparently in love with Eddie, it was just never the dynamic that they had before. So it felt a little bit jarring to suddenly make that the huge part of his character, because if you think about all the other characters, the thing that they were scared of or dealt with in their childhoods, they were all consistent. And then the one with Richie, I feel like that wasn't part of his story in the first one. So it was just kind of like, I felt like, oh, I didn't, it was kind of, I guess, jarring because I didn't see how they, they should have just made it more consistent in both movies if that's what they were going to do with that story, you know? Um, but I mean, if they, I, I think if they had kept the timeline of the original, um, the original story or whatever, when it took place in the 80s or the 90s or whenever it was, it would have been more of something under wraps and more taboo to admit if you were a homosexual. But in today's age, it's just not something that people are really as much afraid to share with others anymore. So I think it would have made a little bit more sense if that was in the timeline from the original, um, more so than if it was the present day. So, um, and another thing that really bothered me for some reason, I think the little poem that Ben wrote to Bev was entirely over-referenced and quoted in this film. I think at least three or four times they like did the whole poem and they recited it or they were reading out loud or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> so for me, it was just kind of irritating because it's like, yeah, we know it's a cute poem that he wrote and we know that Ben wrote it and blah, blah, blah. So I feel like they just kind of overdid that reading the poem and the poem references in it. Um, <laughs> and then also, I do think this is a movie that suffered from giving away too much in the trailers it was definitely effective because the trailers they did do made me want to watch them but they just pretty much especially the one where it's bev going to see that old lady that entire scene is basically one of the trailers and for me i was like i mean that was just a really good scene and a very eerie and creepy scene in general and they just gave it away in the trailer and i think that it kind of suffered from doing that and even the scene with um bill you know at the fun house like they gave away a lot of that scene too so the really good creepy scenes weren't as creepy as they would have been because they showed so much of them in the trailers um so yeah i mean it, is it a perfect movie no but it the, for me the positive outweighs the negative so yeah no i i absolutely agree with you on the whole poem thing mm -hmm. and mainly because i don't even think the poem's cute I think it's actually a very shittily written poem. 
So I was just tired of hearing some bullshit garbage poems said 90,000 times. Yeah. Like your hair's January fire or whatever, something embers or who the fuck talks like that? <laughs> Especially as a That's kid, stupid. like nobody really says that. Was it winter fire, January embers? Yeah. That makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> she just loved it. She's just in love with whoever wrote that. And like, yeah. She masturbated to that poem every day of her life is what they made <laughs> oh it seem God. like. Yeah, it was a little overrated for sure. It it was taxing is what it was, which I guess what that's what a lot of this movie ended up feeling to me is taxing. And I just don't ever feel like it ended up um, paying off completely. You know, like you said, they gave away that entire scene with Beth. Yeah. And all they all they cut out of it was weird, demonic, cartoony, flabby <laughs> Fluffy busts. lady. Yeah. I mean. That's all they cut out of the, the trailer. Can you imagine scene. how... How effective that, that it's all sorry. Uh, could you imagine though how effective that scene would have been if it hadn't have been all shown in the trailer? Like I would have if I didn't know that scene was in it, yeah. and I would have been like, "What is happening right now? This is super creepy." If it hadn't have been in the trailer, you know, that was probably one of the best scenes she was in, honestly. And we saw it all. So yeah, I agree with yeah. both of you. Well, that was pretty much the only time in the movie they went, "Hey, Jessica, do some acting." <laughs> Instead of running and getting out of blood stuff. Yeah. Or just being Jessica Chastain for most of the movie. I don't blame her for that. That's just kind of the character they gave her. Was just like, hey, sit around and be Jessica Chastain for most of this movie. Right. Which is fine. Jessica Chastain seems like a delightfully lovely person. It's just, I don't feel like she was really stretching her acting muscles for 99.9% of her scenes. <laughs> right. You know, and then they give away that. They should have given away Eddie's version of those scenes where he, he like choked out the leper man or, uh, or Ben's when he was like running away from the school because by the time they showed those you had already seen all those scenes like I said like nine times with all the other characters doing those scenes so by the time those happened they were already kind of ruined anyway and this one was at least done differently so just go ahead and ruin one of right. them in the trailer yeah. yeah that's like that's one of the first ones like keep it fresh so it really hits you hard and then by the time you realize it's all a bunch of repetitive bullshit is when you get the one you saw in the trailer you go oh yeah it's just more repetitive bullshit and it's not ruined yeah and also let's be real bills was kind of weak pennywise didn't really fuck with him at all all he did was have georgie yell at him from a gutter and then a bunch of hands grab him <laughs> yeah and that was it <laughs> That wasn't really scary. Although I guess it depends too on like the thing that he's using too. Like just the mention of Jordy's name and Bill's just done, you know? <laughs> so it maybe it depended on like the character and like, oh, this is all I really need to be able to do this, you know? Well, I get that. But at least the other characters also had something that was psychologically traumatizing and also in a way physically getting attacked. Yeah. Bill just had some hands grab him. <laughs> and that was it. It was just some hands. And some of them were tiny little baby hands. Those aren't scary. <laughs> But didn't that kid interrupt I guess him? Got... No, he, he came after that was already done. Because I thought maybe the kid coming and being like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Maybe interrupted what was happening, but he, he came after that. So Maybe. I mean, you, you could well, be right got, on that. I don't he got a better that. scene with the undead brother. You lied and I died. He got a better scene. Kinda, yeah, that was that better. Was, maybe they should have done one or the yeah. other. Well, really that one, because that was better. You they should have just done that one because dear God, by the time they were by the time they were doing that shit at the end, between Ben getting 
trapped in dirt and Beverly getting drowned in blood and him being on water underwater and shooting his younger self with a nail gun after choking Georgie. Like it just got gratuitous. I was so glad that during that whole scene of stuff that at least when Eddie and Richie, you thought they were going to open one of those doors and go through one of those things that they ultimately didn't. <laughs> yeah. They just had some quips about some doors that were open and that was it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Like they didn't end up having to go through the same scenes we've already been seeing them go through. Like, I also thought it was funny when Eddie was choking the, you know, leper person and then he just threw up all over him and that, that song is playing. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I don't remember what song it is, oh, but it was yeah. like a slow love yeah. song or something I, that was playing as the guy was yeah, throwing up I on know. him. That was really funny to me. No, that was... And that was good. Like those aspects of things were good. You know, like each one of those moments had some good scenes or, you know, good moments within them. But like when you add it all together, though, I think the bad outweighed the good during those times. Yeah. And honestly, I think <laughs> genuinely the most negative thing about this movie watching experience for me was the dude I was sitting next to just thought every single scene that Bill Hader was in was the funniest thing he's ever seen. Like, and I get it, Bill Hader's funny and he had some really funny moments, but it was like every line was funny to him. And I'm like, it's not all like funny lines. And he was just laughing at every single thing. And it seemed like he hadn't ever even seen like any trailers for this movie because the whole scene with the old lady and Jessica Chastain, he was just like, what is happening? Like he had just never seen it before and he had no idea what was happening. And it was just, he was just very verbally um, obvious about that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that, that was actually the most negative probably of this whole movie watching <laughs> yeah. experience for me. I wish I had that problem. I had the whole negative movie going experience of this movie is really fucking long and boring at times. <laughs> like, dude, if you're going to make a movie that's long, do yourself a favor and at least don't make it feel long. If it's at least fast paced and it moves three hours actually won't feel that long. I feel, I feel like for the most part, Avengers did do a good job with that. Yeah. It's still got a little, it's still got a little too slow at times, but I think for the most part, Avengers moved at a quick enough pace that the three hours didn't completely feel like three hours. This movie felt every bit of three hours. Now, it wasn't as, like I said, it was nowhere near as slow as uh, Midsummer. Midsummer, <laughs> dear God, felt like 97 lifetimes. And you but, at least had some good things to say about this one. Midsummer, I believe there was nothing good that you had. Oh, I mean, because there was at least at times that there was something good happening on the screen, at least. And uh, during those moments, it doesn't feel as long. You know, at the beginning of the movie, it didn't really. It, it, I feel like the beginning of the movie actually took longer than I thought it did because it was very well paced. Yeah. And and the third act goes quick enough. Yeah, it's right in the middle, right in the middle. You know, to where by the time. But yeah, which unfortunately is a huge chunk of this movie because <laughs> this movie has a very short first act and extremely extremely long second act and a moderately short third act i mean it, it's a little shorter than a typical third act and then the finale i mean i still think they are showing endings to that movie and i watched it saturday <laughs> i just gave up you know it's yeah it just really it was so close it was so close to being you know that one two you know first and second movie horror little mini saga that was fantastic i just 
I think they just lost a little bit of the focus and vision that the first movie had. I think this movie lacked a little bit of that. It just wanted just, I don't know, more other shit. You know, it just wanted more shit, I guess. And it just, it wasn't more of the right shit, which is ultimately what really matters. Any final thoughts before we move on to the next part? No, sir. Nope. Heather, recommendation score? Um, Recommendation, yeah. It's a yes for me, especially if you saw the first one. Or even if you read the book, I think that it's worth checking it out just to see if you like this version of it and what they did with it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it definitely is overly long and that's the biggest downfall of this movie. But and I mean, a lot of times when I'm super hyped about a movie, it's it's not that I, I don't feel like I let me being hyped about a movie make me like the movie more. I think that I just actually, even if I weren't as hyped about this movie, I think I would have liked it pretty much around the same amount. Um, I actually, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought the story of it was great. It just the pacing and the length of the film was a little much. But um, my overall score for it, I'm going to give it 80 overused callbacks to Ben's love poem to Bev out of 100. Oh, wow. That's a super high score. Justin, what do you give this movie? Okay. So do I recommend it or not? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, overall, I think that this film is uh, more positive than negative. It does have great acting performances. Like I said, a lot of interesting, very thoughtful scene transitions from one scene to the next. That was just awesome. I thought he did a lot of our, the director did a lot of artistic things there. Um, and Pennywise is still creepy, man. That That clown... You can get under your skin and, and there was a lot of good kills and you know for a horror film it did definitely deliver most of the things that a horror film it, it, it checked most of those boxes you got some jump scares you got some creepy moments you've got a creepy atmosphere and a tone throughout you got uh the iconic clown pennywise doing his thing and then you had some credible actors and some good acting performances so this is by no means a bad movie uh yes it got not lost a little bit with the length and we could have cut some things and narratively i do think it was jumbled and very unfocused i think that's a good word to to say about this it just didn't quite have the focus of the the first film but none of that is enough to say that you shouldn't go see this uh just just be warned it is too <laughs> 245 I think it's two hours and 45 minutes I think so you know so so once you invest uh just be ready to be there a while and uh and stick with it through the end um as far as a score I'm going to go I think that's fair I'm going to go with 60 undead brother Georgie's yelling you lied and I died out of a hundred. So, and um, and I normally do like out of a hundred, kind of in line with Rotten Tomatoes. So that's a positive for me, just above positive. Even though there were a lot of flaws in this movie, I do think in the end there is more positive than negative. So that's my score. 
If you like the first movie, you see this. If you don't like the first movie, then don't. If you haven't seen the first movie, don't. I mean, I guess my recommendation is, is if you've seen the first movie, go watch it. Other than that, there's really no reason to watch it. But I highly recommend the first one. I think the first one's one of the my favorite horror movies of the last few years. I think the first one is utterly fantastic. And I think that that's why this one falls a little more flat. And this one is more disappointing. It's just, it was unable, honestly, to recapture any of the magic of the first movie. You get glimpses of it, but I don't feel like you ultimately get the full magic that was the first movie. Um, Score-wise, uh, I guess I'm a little lower on it now the more I've thought about it since I watched it. Not too much. I'm still within the same letter grade, just a little lower. Um... I'll give this 62, 62 stabbing a bully with your, uh, your cheek knife out of a hundred. I mean, I wish I'd like to think I'm that badass that if I got stabbed in the cheek, I would have the wherewithal to stab a motherfucker back with the same (laughs) knife, but I'm not gonna lie. My cheek would probably really hurt at that point. Right. I don't know if I'd want to do it. So, um, anything else guys, before we move on? No. All right. So then for that, us moving on is me saying, thank you guys for listening to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the interwebs at cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers podcast, Twitter and Instagram. We are cinema underscore slayers. Yeah, I know I keep mentioning Snapchat. I promise I'll care about that at some point, especially now that I've got a fancy new mixer with lights and pretty screens and I want to show it off. Makes me feel sexy. So I'll show that off to you guys with Snapchat and everything like that. Um, Next week, we will be talking about Hustlers. So check that out. You'll get some time to watch that. So, you know, next week's episode will be on Hustlers. So watch that if you want to not be spoiled before we do our episode. Uh, We should have some new merch coming your way. It'll just be, you know, same shirts and everything like that, just with the newer logo style that is on all the social medias and everything like that you get that you guys have seen give us uh feedback guys let us know what you like didn't like and everything in between with this episode or any of these other episodes we have done or just anything if you just want to say sterling you're wrong midsummer's amazing we'll talk about it i mean i'm not wrong but we'll talk about it nonetheless yeah we if you have any movies that you would like us to talk about or anything like that from anytime anywhere anything like that let us know hit us up um maybe we'll still do an episode on it because we're always looking for ideas to do bonus content and all that other stuff especially as the movie seasons uh do start to slow down and we do get less releases and stuff like that or movies that we feel at least we should talk about um so we're always looking for topics and stuff like that would be great uh if you any topic actually that's movie related that you want us to talk about let us know maybe we'll do an episode on it you'll get credit we'll say hey this person told us to, this would be a good topic, and you'll get a shout out and everything like that. I wish this episode I could have said second Zach, but I feel like I just kind of solidified everything Zach thinks about me with this. But I'll get my revenge at some point, Zach. And remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a best picture winner. Mm-hmm.